Welcome to the Word Made Plain with Senior Pastor Tony Clark of Calvary Chapel, Newport News in Virginia. Currently, Pastor Tony is teaching through the book of Joshua. Please open your Bible to Joshua chapter 5. Paul is saying that we need to circumcise our, our hearts. It's about our hearts. See, we need to circumcise those fleshly things. That, that, those fleshly things. Here's the thing. We need to circumcise those people and things that will cause us to constantly fulfill the appetites of our flesh. If you have someone in your life right now, and whenever you're around them, all they want you to do is fulfill your fleshly appetites. That person needs to be circumcised out of your life. And this is what this is talking about. Allow the Lord to show you what that is. Allow the Lord to show you what or who it is that needs to be circumcised out. And I believe he's showing you right now. I believe he's showing you right now. Look at verses five through nine. It says, for all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers that he would give them a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all of the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Now, in these verses, we see in verse five that all of the people who came out of Egypt were circumcised, but the ones who were born in the wilderness or the desert uh, were not circumcised. And it was this generation that Joshua was performing circumcision on. Now, the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation was consumed for their disobedience, according to verse six. Now, this shows us that there is a high cost to disobedience. They walked in a desert place until they were consumed. God wanted them to go directly into the promised land once they left Egypt. But when they heard the bad report from the 10 spies, they were gripped with fear at the giants there and refused to go in. They said, well, what about our children? They will be destroyed. Those big bad giants, I heard it over there. You know, the descendants of Anak, they're there. What about our children? <laughs> Worried and concerned about their children. Did I just describe you? Are you worried and concerned about your children? They will go in and you will will not is what God told them. He said, God said, you're so concerned about your children. They're the ones that's going to go in and you're not going to go in. That's amazing. Let us not allow fear and people to keep us from our promised land. 
They were afraid and worried about their children and about the giants. Oh, does that describe you? Are you worried and afraid that if you committed to coming on Wednesday nights, you're worried that they would not, they, your children would not get enough rest. They would not get enough sleep for school. Are you afraid that they uh, 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 won't have enough strength or energy to focus in their classes? Oh, I'm afraid and worried that they would not be able to defeat their giants. And I just say, wow, really? Please don't allow fear, worry, and giants to cause you or your children to miss the promised land. God has for you and for your children. Oh, I, oh, oh, young folks, please don't let folks at school keep you from your promised land. Please don't let them keep you. Come on, let's do this fleshly thing, that fleshly thing. Don't let, please don't let the children keep you from the promised land. Well, see, this is, and it's so easy to do because we're dealing with peer pressure. Peer pressure doesn't stop when you get older. It continues. You adults, you have peer pressure on your job. You do. But don't allow people to keep you. Just think about it. There were approximately 3 million Israelites. God had chosen 12, one from each tribe, the 12 tribes, to go into the promised land. God was saying, I just want y'all to see it. I just want to give y'all a little taste, a little something, something for y'all to go back and tell the people that it's truly a land flowing with milk and honey. It, it, this is a great land. So God said, you know, send 12 of them in there. And so two of the 12 was Joshua and Caleb. They they came back and said, oh, man, this is truly the land of lands. I'm telling you, the, the vine of grapes were so large that Joshua and Caleb had to carry them on a stick in between them because the grapes were so large. This was the land. They said, man, look, this is some of the fruit. This land is a great land. But 10 of them came back and said, you shut your mouth, Joshua and Caleb. We saw the giants over there, the descendants of Anak, and we can't defeat them. We were like grasshoppers in their sight. You got to understand, our archaeologists have discovered and dug up that they don't want you to know today that there were giants that once roamed this land. Uh, We see them, you know, they'd be playing tomorrow night too, but, you know, (laughs) but the giants... There's some major giants. Just think about it. Think about this. It, it, the, the giants we see in the NBA, they will seem like grasshoppers in their sight because Goliath, Goliath was some nine feet, six inches tall. They discovered, uh, the beds that the giants, um, slept on. Those beds were some 13 feet by five feet. The beds that they slept on. Now, if you six feet tall, why would you need a 13-foot bed? There were giants that, that, and I've done an extensive study on the giants that once um, walked this land. Incredible. Incredible giants, some 13 feet tall. Incredible people. So this is why those 10 spies went in there and said, oh, no. 
we were like, truly, they were like, he said, grasshoppers in their sight. So if the average Jewish person, let's just say five, six. And you look it up at somebody nine, 10, 11 feet tall, you'll be a grasshopper in their sight. They said, we can't take them. We can't take them. They said, oh, no, we can't. And then the people were like, really? They said, no, no, we can't. No, those are giants, man. You know, the descendants of Annie, they're giants. Can't do it. Then the people said, no, we ain't going in there. We're not going in there. And Joshua said, we can take them. God is with us. They said, no, you can go in there. We ain't going in there. And sure enough, who is allowed to go into the promised land from that generation? Joshua and Caleb. Everybody else died. God said, okay, you don't want to go in? He said, to the desert you go. And they went wandering in the desert for 40 years until that whole generation died. This is where we get a generation is approximately 40 years until that whole generation died off. So this is the new generation. This is the children that were born in the wilderness. Now they are about to go into this promised land. So it's amazing. This is an amazing thing. And so here's one of the things I want us to see. We see in verse eight that, that he, you know, speaking of Joshua, had finished circumcising all of the people that they stayed in the place of Gilgal, according to verse 10. Now, the question is, how do we circumcise our flesh? We're, we're told, we already know, God has already shown us that there are some things that we need to circumcise. How do we circumcise our flesh? How do we circumcise our heart? Well, I believe the same way that Joshua did with the flint knife. You say, well, what, 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 what do you mean? A flint knife. Ephesians 6.17 says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The Greek word for sword is makaira. And it, it, it describes that short knife that, that the Roman soldier used for hand-to-hand combat. The Roman soldier had a couple of swords. He had the big sword and he had the little sword. The makaira was a little, like a that, you know, hand-to-hand combat, you ready to just throw down hand-to-hand. That, that little knife is what is talked about here. Now, the Greek word for sword throughout the book of Revelation is uh, rumphaia, and then it's an amazing word. It speaks of the large sword used by the Roman soldiers. In other words, we use the dagger of the word of God to circumcise those specific fleshly things out of our lives like Joshua did. The word of God will circumcise us every time we expose ourselves to it. Whether that is personal study, personal reading, or here at church, God will use the word of God to circumcise those fleshly things out of our lives. This is why every time we come to church, I can't tell you how many times people say, oh, that was for me. Oh, I felt like I was the only one in there. Oh, you really, that, that word convicted me today. That's the, that is that, that, that dagger, that, that, that flint knife is cutting those things out of our lives. It's circumcising us every time we expose ourselves to it. Look at verses 10 through 12. It says, now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and, and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight. Uh, on the plains of Jericho, and they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and uh, parched grain on the very same day. 
And then the manna ceased on that day after they had eaten the produce of the land and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Now, in these verses, we see that the Israelites celebrated Passover once again. Now, the last time they celebrated Passover was 40 years earlier. Here, after they had dealt with their flesh, they celebrated it again. Oh, I see this all the time when when a person has dealt with their flesh, they desire to celebrate the New Testament Passover, which is communion. I've seen those who are walking in the flesh, in the desert, they don't have a desire to celebrate, uh, uh, come celebrate communion. However, when we deal with our flesh, the desire to eat and drink with the Lord comes back. I've seen so many people that because they have mess in their lives, when, when, when we have communion, you, you see them sit in their chair. They don't come up to partake of communion because they know they got mess in their lives. And the Bible says don't eat and partake of the word in an unworthy manner. And so they just, they just sit there. Sit there. And, and then when, when, when they deal with their flesh, they deal with their flesh, all the joy, because you understand communion is eating with the Lord. It's having fellowship with God. It's becoming one with him. And when we deal with our flesh, the desire to commune with God, to eat with God, to, to, to become one with the Lord, to have supper with him, it comes back once we deal with our flesh. The amazing thing. Now, in verse 11, they finally ate the food in the promised land and the manna ceased, according to verse 12. I'm sure they were like, I'm so glad that manna is done. Sick of manna. Man. Manna for 40 years. I had manna every way manna can be had. We fried it, baked it, barbecued it. We had manna casserole, manna cotti, <laughs> manna con cotti. Yeah, I mean, we had it all. Sick of manna. Oh, but it was the food God provided for them. Oh, how sick do we get over the provisions God has given us? Oh, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of that. Oh, Lord, I just want to, I just want to mate. I'm tired of being alone. I'm so sick of this mate now. <laughs> tired of them. Irritated. They irritate me. Just look at them over there. <laughs> We we, we do the same thing. So they ate the food. You know, there's a manna we eat when we come to Christ. There's a there there is a manna of the Word of God that we partake of. But when we deal with our flesh and we come into our promised land. There, there's an abundance of God's word that he pours into our lives. There's just an abundance. There's, 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 there's a depth that is beyond just the regular manna. I mean, when I first got saved, I was excited to see John 316. Hey, you know, John 316, you know, a guy that loves the world, you know, and I was all excited. 
John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Did you know Jesus cried? Thank you, cried. And I used to say dumb things like, you know, Jesus cried because Lazarus died. See, some of y'all still saying that dumb stuff. <laughs> y'all still saying that. Why would he cry over Lazarus dying when he knew he was about to resurrect him? He's crying over what sin has done to his creation. The wages of sin is death. He saw that. Not crying because Lazarus died. He's about to, he's coming to wake him up. Get him up. So, so, but then, then when you, when you come into that abundant life that God has for you, when you come into your promised land, there's some depth of the word of God that God, there's some manna that God's going to give you that's going to be, it's going to be food of the promised land. That abundant life that you have now entered, there is some food that God, you can look at the man as just that elementary food to sustain your body. That elementary food to sustain you spiritually when you first get saved, there's manna and it's good. But there's some food when you go into the promised land, that abundant life that God has for you. There's a depth of the word. There's some insights that God will give you and you're like, wow, I, I, I've read that a hundred times, but I didn't, I didn't get that. Because now you're eating the food of the promised land now. And the manna is going to cease. You know, you, you got, you, you got that down. You understand that. Great stuff. Great stuff. Now look at verses 13 through 16. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, no, that's not an answer. No, (laughs) no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say um, to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. You better believe he did. He did so. Now, in these verses, we see uh, Joshua lifted up his eyes and looked and saw a man standing opposite him with his sword in his hand. And Joshua being the manly man that he was and being the general. Oh, he stepped to him. He said, uh, are you for? Or for our adversaries, before I give you this beat down. Says that that's what it said in verse 13. It said that. And he responded in verse 14 and said, No. For us or for our adversaries. No. Now what he meant is neither. Neither. I am on no one side but God's side. Please remember this during your sporting events. When you're praying that your team wins, God isn't on anyone's side. Would you stop praying? Because just think, there are Christians on both sides, no matter what sport it is. There's some Christians, they probably praying too. God, are you for us or for our adversaries? No. <laughs> you're not on any of y'all's side. Not on any of y'all's side. You don't care about your football going through the goal. Or that black and white ball going through the net. You can care less about that. You don't care about that kind of stuff. He said that he was the commander of the army of the Lord. In other words, he said, I'm on the Lord's side. Now, I find this amazing. Joshua is about to go to war and God appears to Joshua as a man of war. 
Did you catch, you caught that? Abraham was a traveler and God appeared to him as a traveler in Genesis 18 and 19. God knows how to reach people. And this is why he saves people from all walks of life. This is why you have Christians in the military, in the shipyard, in the factory, in the warehouse, and all other walks of life. He will appear to people in that form, in that person. And you know who that person is? Is you. That person is you. That person is you. That That's how the Lord is going to appear to them. He appeared to Joshua as a man of war. And today, he would appear to Joshua in the military. And for others, whatever walk of life you're in, this is why you have that occupation and why you're whining and complaining about your little job. God has you there because he cares about the people on that job. And and he wants to use you to reach them. That's the thing. This is why. So it's amazing how God will appear to people in the form that they can, that they can receive. Let me hurry up and, and, and wrap it up. I'm starting to hear foolishness in, in the background. So now we know that this is God because Joshua bowed down and worshiped him in verse 14 and said, what do you want your servant to do? The second reason why we know that uh, this is the Lord, because in verse 15, he said, take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy. These are the exact words God told Moses in Exodus three and verse five, when he spoke to him out of the burning bush, the exact same words. This scene, I know, brought great comfort to Joshua because God was saying, even though you are about to go to war and there are giants all around you, I will be with you. I am sending the commander of the army of the Lord to be with you. This is what is in in theology or theological circles. This is called a Christophany, which is a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. Some even call it a theophany, appearance of God in the Old Testament. But it's more of a Christophany, a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. And God was saying that he will be with Joshua and the Israelites the same as he will be with us. He said, I would never leave you nor forsake you. Now, let me conclude with this. Cut it off. Cut it off. That is a word to many of you here. Tonight, there are some fleshly things and people we need to circumcise out of our lives. Remember, the instrument God uses to get this done is the sword of the spirit, is the dagger of the word of God. So let us constantly and daily expose ourselves to God's word so he can constantly cut those fleshly things out of our lives. Just think, the more you expose yourself to the word of God, the more circumcision God is going to do on us. This is why Satan never wants you to open up your Bible because he knows some circumcision is going to take place. And therefore, he wants you to continue to dive in and indulge your flesh. And so he'll just keep you away. Oh, you don't have to read. 
You know, God knows. Oh, he'd tell stupid things to me. Ah, you, you know that book anyway. You don't have to read that. You know, really? I, I, I haven't even scratched the surface. I haven't scratched it. It's so many things. Every time I read it, there's something new. God is revealing himself in some kind of way. There's, because there's some kind of area of my flesh that needs to be circumcised. And so the more we expose ourselves to the word, the more we will be circumcised. Father, thank you so much for this time you've given us. And God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit will move upon us now, change us, make us like you. Lord, I pray that you will show us those things that need to be circumcised out of our lives. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to share your word with your precious people. And Lord, just continue to do your work in us. Bring revival in our midst, Lord. Change us, save us, do a work, Lord, that only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. If the Word Made Plain has been a source of inspiration and encouragement to you, why not consider becoming a Word Made Plain giving partner to keep this listener-supported program on the air? As a giving partner, you join forces with Calvary Chapel Newport News' kingdom vision of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can make your tax-deductible gift online at calvarynn.org or send your gift of any amount to 15553 Warwick Boulevard, Newport News, Virginia, 23608 and receive a gift from Calvary Chapel Newport News as our thank you. In addition to your financial support, we ask that you pray for the Word Made Plain broadcast, that it touches hearts and generates change in the lives of people around the world. We pray you've been blessed by God's Word today and hope you'll tune in next time to hear The Word Made Plain.